And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Hi guys, um, I wanted to start by um, getting your opinion on something. Um, it's a theological question that um, kind of uh, poses itself through the scripture we just had had read. And, and depending on which way you kind of go with it, it has, I guess, fairly significant um, ramifications. Uh, let me read, read you the, the verse that poses the question again. Uh, this is what it says. It says, in the morning... As he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Jesus became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And so here's the question. Is, is Jesus just being hangry here? Is that kind of what's going on? For those of you that don't know, the, the definition of hanger, uh, Miriam Webster would say, is the state of being irritable or angry because of hunger. And, uh, and it's an important question that I ask, really, because um, one of the foundational um, truths, realities of Christianity is the, the sinless nature of Christ. That is to say that Jesus never, ever sinned, like not even a little bit. And so if this is Jesus kind of lashing out at a tree in an, with an inappropriate sort of anger here, uh, your faith is in vain and you've wasted your car parking fee today. At least if you walked, uh, you got the steps in. Um, but the truth is, as you look at Matthew chapter 21, which is where we find uh, our stories for today, if you were to read it with, in, with a good pace and, and, and right the way through, it is possible to get the impression that Jesus is just kind of in a in a bad mood, because the the chapter starts off with with Jesus' triumphal entry. Uh, he, he he makes this kind of triumphant return to Jerusalem after so many months away. Uh, he coming at the time of Passover, the most important and significant national time of the year, riding on a on a donkey on a donkey, no less. Uh, Jesus, though, would, would come off that donkey and he'd go into the temple and he'd look around in the temple and he, 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 he wouldn't like what he would see in the temple because uh, the people were misusing the temple. And so Jesus would cleanse the temple, which is to say that he would basically throw people out of the temple. 
And then coming from the temple, Jesus would walk down and uh, he, in addition to perhaps perhaps still being angry about what he saw in the temple, additionally, uh, we see Jesus is hungry as well. He sees a fig tree with no fruit on it and he curses it. It's, it's possible to think Jesus is just having a really kind of miserable day. He's working up on the wrong side of bed. What's interesting for me is that uh, this kind of reminds me of uh, pretty standard nights out in my old life, uh, to, to be honest with you, uh, because from time to time, I too would be thrown out of the temple. Um, my temple was the Oceana on West Street in Brighton. And after being thrown out of the temple, I, like Jesus, would I'd be angry. I'd be angry and there would in those days, probably have been some plenty of cursing, to be honest. And, and my friends wouldn't kind of leave with me. They weren't very good friends, clearly. And I'd be on my own. And so I had no one to shout out in my anger. So I'd probably shout at a tree. And, uh, and then again, like Jesus, uh, growing hungry on my, my sort of my journey, um, I would stop off at a kebabi. And uh, to be honest, they were probably serving donkey meat. Uh, so, so I really, really, I really get what Jesus is going through here. I really do. All that to say, that one of my aims for today then is to show you that Jesus actually, uh, he, isn't, he hasn't woken up on the wrong side of bed, he isn't hangry, and he's not on his way home from Westry in Brighton. But actually, there's a lot more going on here than might initially meet the eye. And so Jesus, he curses a fig tree. He curses a fig tree, and that's the, the part of what we've had read that we're going to be focusing on. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of cursing maybe like a, a magic trick or like a or like bad luck well w when the bible speaks about being cursed to be cursed biblically speaking it's, it's entirely more profound than that and to understand something of what it means to be cursed um i think we do well to first understand what the opposite means which is to be blessed to be blessed and to understand what it means to be blessed, we need to understand uh, page one of your Bible. Because in page one, uh, a God would confer the, the first ever blessing recorded. Uh, God would bless the animal kingdom, actually. He would say to the animals, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter one, verse 22. Six verses later, a God would convey the second blessing ever conveyed and on this occasion it would be to me and you to humanity in genesis chapter 1 verse 28 and god would say something pretty similar to what he said to the animals but with a kicker the bible would record god would say this that he would say it says and god blessed he blessed humanity and said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion meaning that at its core what it means to be blessed is to to prosper to do well to flourish to benefit to increase to expand or literally to be happy to 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 see the 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 to, to see the fruits of your labors uh, or or to put it another way uh, with with in the context of our passage for there to be fruit on the tree of your life And I mentioned there was a kicker. And the kicker is this, that, that God gave humanity, me and you, the, the opportunity to uh, be blessed over and above our blessing. 
He gave humanity the opportunity, that even in their multiplication, to be multiplied further. Uh, because, because God gave humanity, he would say to humanity something that he wouldn't say to anything else in all of creation. God would, first of all, make humans in his image and likeness. But as we've just read, he would say, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Which means God's original intent for you and all humanity was not just to enjoy God's blessing on the earth. But to administer God's blessing through the earth. For you to be like God. God, who is the fountain of all blessing, for you to become something of a, of a, of a stream, a river of blessing. And so that in, in, in so doing, you wouldn't just enjoy the joys of your fruitfulness and multiplication, but you would enter into something of the joy of God in his distribution of blessing. To be cursed, then, is when human beings pursue the blessings that I've just described just without God. Uh, to, to be cursed is, is when men and women disregard God and grab blessing. Grab it. Rather than trusting God to give. And this is exactly what we see in Genesis chapter 3 in the, in the Garden of Eden with the first man and the first woman. What it means to be cursed then is, is, is when God ultimately gives people over to the consequence of their grabbing. When God gives people over to the, the fullness of the consequences of their decisions. So that to, so to be blessed is, is when humans say to God, blessing comes when humans say to God, thy will be done. To be cursed is when God says to humans, thy will be done. So that whenever blessing comes, there's fruitfulness. But whenever cursing comes, there would be famine. Wherever blessing comes, there's lots. Wherever cursing comes, there's lack. Wherever blessing comes, there's excess. Wherever cursing comes, there's exile. Why? Because wherever blessing comes, there's life. But wherever there's a curse, cursing always inevitably leads to death with death being the, the ultimate form of exile. And if you were with us two weeks ago, you would have heard Joel so wonderfully help us with, with Jesus as he cursed the, the fig tree. And actually, that week's, uh, 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 excuse me, Jesus, Joel helped us with Jesus cleansing the temple. That's what he helped us with. Um, I'm talking about the cursing of the fig tree right now. Wake up. Um, and so he helped us with that. But uh, that week's cleansing and this week's cursing are, are really inextricably linked you, you can't you can't really separate them because uh, one really leads to the other and, and we see this in in, in mark's uh, account of this same story we've read in matthew's account this version but also mark has his account and they're pretty much exactly the same 
But what Mark does in his account is he, he weaves these two stories together, the, the cleansing and, and the cursing. Uh, so much so that in Mark's account, he starts with uh, Jesus um, cursing the tree and then he'd go and cleanse the temple and he'd come back and see the tree that's been cursed and his disciples would comment on the fact that it's withered. With there clearly being a, uh, some sort of kind of delay in what happens instantly spiritually to um, what would happen visibly physically. A meaning that we have the temple and we have the tree. Uh, the, the temple would be inspected by Jesus. The tree would be inspected by Jesus. One would be cleansed. One would be cursed. One would be fruitless spiritually. One would be fruitless physically. What's going on here is that the, 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 the temple account symbolizes the, the state of the spirituality of Israel, which was in need of cleansing, whereas the tree account symbolizes the, the fate of Israel's fruit, fruitlessness, in need of cursing. And, and to understand why, why, why is that necessary? You need to understand something of the Old Testament story. And what's interesting about these two stories put together and properly understood is that they, they, they summarize so much of the Old Testament. Because through the Old Testament, the time before Jesus came, uh, God would speak uh, multiple on multiple occasions of his people Israel as his precious fig tree. Uh, we see such occasions in, 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 in um, Hosea chapter 9 verse 10 where it says this, God speaking, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. Like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season, I saw your fathers. And now God would choose Israel, not because they were um, righteous and really good people, not because they were particularly evil or bad people, not because they were numerous and not because they were few. God chose Israel because of his divine choice. He, 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 he's sovereign and he chooses who he chooses. And he chose to love them and he desired them. And the problem was this, that Israel didn't really desire God. Not, not really, not really. And so God would, would, would um, send, how do I put it? God, God, like a, like a deserted spouse would long for his people to, to, to come, come, come to him, come back to him. And so what God would do is he would send prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to kind of call his people back from this, this, this lawlessness. Uh, this, to call his people back from this fascination with, with, with darkness that came from their being influenced by the gods that they were serving, gods which were not really gods at all, but demons with power masquerading as gods. And, and it would be this constant, repeated, persistent, uh, flagrant, unrepentant behavior that would lead to God's precious little fig tree being cursed so that we we read some of these sorry words from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament it says this for a nation has come up against my land powerful and beyond number its teeth are lion's teeth 
It has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine, splintered my fig tree. It is stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. God's people would be cursed. Cursed through their repeatedly breaking God's heart. Expressed through their repeatedly breaching God's commandments. God would ultimately, he would remove the hedge of protection that surrounded his people, allowing in foreign nations to come in, devastate his tree. And this is what Jeremiah would say about it. He says, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered. What I gave to them has passed away from them. And this, and this ultimately would be what would happen uh, 37 years after this, these events. Because 37 years later in, in AD 70, there would be the destruction of the temple, that the Romans would, would come in and, and utterly destroy it. As God would once again remove the, the hedge of protection that surrounded his people and allow this foreign nation to come in, devastate his tree. But why? Why? The way Jesus would summarize it in, in Matthew chapter 23, in it, Matthew 23 verse 3 specifically, he would say, these people, they preach, but they do not practice. Israel was led by its religious leaders and, and the people, naturally, they, they followed in the religious leaders' example. And this was, this, this was leading to great fruitlessness because Jesus would say this about the religious leaders and again in Matthew 23 that they outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones that they're people that clean the outside of the cup but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence that they they appear righteous to others but within are full of hypocrisy hypocrisy and lawlessness Israel said they wanted God they they pretended they they, they would ultimately honor God with their lips but their hearts would be far from him and, and and this this really was what so broke God's heart because God was all in on them Mark's account would put it like this and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf seeing in the distance Jesus is looking he sees this fig tree and he's like oh that, that looks good and it comes up and upon Jesus' Jesus's inspection, barren. It was barren. And one really led to the other. The, 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 the temple leads to the tree. Jesus went from the temple to the tree. Why? Because the, 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 the lack of true, authentic, faith-filled spirituality in the temple, which was in need of cleansing, led to the fact that the tree of the people of God were fruitless and in need of cursing. 
and the lack of fruit, in fact, the fruitlessness, complete fruitlessness of the, of the tree of God's people that was in need of cursing. The reason that it was in need of cursing was because the, the, the spirituality in the temple was in need of cleansing. The two, both stories are, 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 are two sides of, of the same coin. And there's a lesson for us in them. Uh, there's a lesson for us in the church. There's, there's, a, there's a warning, to be honest. There's a warning for you. And, and this is the warning. God is not to be mocked. You can't pull the wall over God's eyes. To honour God with your lips, but not with your life, is to dishonour God. And a life that uh, continues in this in a constant, repeated, flagrant, unrepentant way will suffer the same result as this fig tree in this story. Upon the great day of Jesus' inspection, the judgment of God, the final judgment. And so God would do away, he would do away with Israel's old temple system. Why? Because through human weakness, not, there was nothing wrong with the temple itself. The temple was good. But through human weakness, it had become, it led to the fruitlessness of the whole nation. And while, 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 while this might sound depressing, this is actually really good news. Good news for me and for you, specifically. Because it would open up a new way of relating to God. Because... God would give a, a new covenant. That's how the Bible describes it. That's the language the Bible uses. A, a new agreement, if you like. How are God and humanity going to coexist? Like, how, what's the relationship? How do we function around one another? Us, God and humanity. So what we need is an agreement. We need a, a contract, a, a covenant of, okay, this is how it's going to work. And, and, and so the old covenant would, 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 would go, if you like, and Jesus would come in and bring this new way of relating to God. And in the Old Testament's old covenant, there was one capital T temple. But the New Testament's new covenant would be given a greater temple. We'd be given the temple that all human temples are, are, are really reaching for. We'd be given the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and bricks and mortar aside, Jesus is the place to meet with God. Jesus is the sanctuary of God for sinners. Jesus is the destination to go to get close to God. Jesus is the house of prayer in whose name all prayers must be offered. Jesus is God's great cathedral. Jesus is the temple. So that Jesus would say these words about himself, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. <coughs> Excuse me, I will raise it up. He was speaking about the temple of his body. <clears throat> and you, you, even you, you, you get the opportunity to, through faith, not just have access to God's new temple on the earth, but to, but to, but to become a living stone in God's temple. You get, to, you get to be part of the body with Jesus as the head 
you get to experience something of the the the, the reality of the, the 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 presence of God dwelling in you by the Holy Spirit, just as the presence of God dwelt in the temple of old by the Holy Spirit. And this this changes everything. It changes everything because God moves from being Israel's external dread that they had to obey to being your internal delight that you want to obey. Israel, they, they had to obey God. They, they, it was kind of like they didn't really want to. Oh, here we go. So they performed lip service and their hearts weren't in it. But in this new covenant, when you become the temple of God, something radically changes in you. Radically changes. A meaning, meaning that in the cleansing of the temple, Jesus would overturn the tables of the old order, bring to the table a new order. And in the cursing of the tree, uh, Jesus would graft in new branches, different kinds of branches, branches of all colors and variations. He'd graft in the worldwide church, people from every tribe and tongue and territory to, to come in and be part have the opportunity, the, the joy of being part of God's precious fig tree. So that both stories put together and properly understood help us see God's new way of relating to humanity, ultimately. That, that, that where there was one temple in one location, now through faith in Jesus, the temple of God would spread throughout the whole earth. Reaching people, even in our location, over 2,000 miles and 2,000 years away from where it all began. This, this was God's plan and intent from the very beginning. The whole earth to be a temple unto him, filled full of ministers, people of faith. And Jesus would speak about faith. He literally would. He says this, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only, only be able to do what, um, you will not only be able to do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Uh, when Jesus says this mountain, uh, Jesus is likely referring to the temple. Because the temple was 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 on on the mountain, and so what what Jesus is doing here is he's not just kind of making a general and an important and a powerful point about faith. He is, but he's he's actually making a, a prophetic point about the events of AD seventy that are to come. He, he's predicting it. He's saying this is what's going to happen. He's saying this mountain, big, strong, ingrained, entrenched, hard. The mountain of religion ultimately is going to be thrown into the sea, which is to say into chaos and, and ultimately destroyed. And Jesus is saying that he's got faith for it. He's got faith for it. Throughout this past, these passages, what we see is Jesus in, in, in full flow Messiah mode. That's what we're seeing. Uh, because Jesus is basically saying, I've not just got the faith to perform prophetic protests and wither trees. 
I've got the faith to, to go for the jugular. I've got the faith to dislodge a whole mountain. Jesus is, is hinting that he has the faith to, to, to deliver, to, to fulfill what the, the withering of the fig tree was pointing to. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Jesus was speaking about turning the whole establishment on its head. And, and there's an irony. Because the people of God wanted Jesus to, to talk tough. Uh, they wanted Jesus to, to get into, kind of, to, to messiah up. <laughs> In fact, they'd sort of been growing frustrated that he wasn't going after the Romans, who were ultimately their, their oppressors. But with, with, with Jesus speaking in this way... <laughs> With Jesus speaking like this, it's almost like Jesus is the Messiah against his people rather than for his people. What's going on here? And I'll say this. Basically, Israel wanted Jesus to be the, this long-promised, uh, spoken about through the, the pages of the Old Testament, messianic individual. He wanted them to... They wanted Jesus to be the Messiah that went over, that would ultimately take on the Roman oppressors. That's what they wanted. But Jesus would be the Messiah that would first take on the religious oppressors. That's 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 what's going on here, essentially. Because the religious leader and leaders in Israel, they hated the Romans. They absolutely hated them. <laughs> They hated them because of the impression that they put on the people of God. They hated them because of the burden they were putting on the people of God, ultimately pushing them around. But the religious leaders, they cared not one iota for the burden that they were putting on the people of God. The religious burden. They, they were hypocrites. Jesus would say that they would, they would, they were, they would shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, like like people that would enter. They would like shut the door through their their ways and their their leadership. They were they were they were they were they were worse than the Romans in many ways. Jesus would say this. He he would say that they would tie uh, up heavy burdens and hard to bear, lay them on people's shoulders, though themselves they were were not willing to lift. A finger. Jesus all along, all along was going after the Romans. But he was going after the, the religious Romans. So that Jesus would, before becoming the conqueror, he would first be the confronter. Uh, Jesus, uh, before he would uh, speak about revolution, he would first speak about righteousness. Before he would come and clear out the enemy, he would come in and cleanse and clean out his house. Why? Because Jesus wouldn't first go after the Roman oppressors. He would go after religion. The religion that ultimately was lip service. And, and there's, a, there's a saying that people sometimes use that, that can be helpful. It's, it's, it's when, when you point the finger, there are three fingers kind of pointing back at you. 
that that that's just anatomically true like that 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 is the case that's what happens and it seems like with god sometimes the most pressing evils aren't the ones that are out there but the ones that are in here we see jesus often through the bible prioritize the the internal work first then attend to the external work so who's who's oppressing you dear friend who who are the romans in your life who are they who's oppressing you mentally physically emotionally spiritually or, or what is what's going on Lord, get the, get the Romans out of here, Lord. Get, get them away from me. Change the situation. Who are they for you? Friend, I tell you this. What you're going through, it won't last forever. It will not. God, if you're a believer, will see to the Romans in your life. He will. He just will. He just will. It won't last forever. But... The truth is, sometimes Jesus will, will allow trials to come upon us um, that last longer than we, we, we care for. <laughs> he will allow trials to come upon us that um, sometimes we feel that we just can't bear. That, 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 that happens. Do you know what Jesus is doing in those moments? He's cleansing the temple of your heart. He's doing the internal work first. That's what he's doing. Because we've seen that you are, you really are the temple of God. And we've seen how seriously Jesus wants, takes keeping his house in order. And so we've seen a lot of Jesus's um, messianic fervor in, in this passage. Um, we've seen a lot of the work of Jesus in his uprooting work. And, um, and, and that's good for us. It's, it's a, a part of a balanced diet. It's, it's there. But, but I want to I say this. Um, uh, Jesus is recorded to have done 37 miracles in, in, in the Gospels. And of the 37 miracles, signs, wonders and miracles that he did, only one was destructive. And I've just, I've just preached on it. 36 then were, were constructive uh, which is um which is not to, to 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 curse but to bless and that tells me something tells me something that tells me that god would much rather bless than curse <laughs> 36 times more actually 36 to 1 and of course the, the bible does say that uh, jesus did many other things many good works that perhaps if all of the books on on earth were to sort of try and house them perhaps there wouldn't be enough books the bible does say that but i wonder if we knew all if we knew all the things that jesus did i wonder if that ratio wouldn't still be preserved and if that ratio wasn't preserved my my suspicion would be that the distance would grow further that'd be my suspicion because yes, yes, 
Jesus was tough on the, the proud, the religious, the people that said, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Of course, I should be laid to heaven at the end of my life. Why, why wouldn't I? I'm not Hitler. I'm not the worst person. There's worse people than me. Of course I should. He was a lion to those people, a lion. He was tough. But he was tender to the weak. He was a lamb to, to the, the, those that knew that they were spiritually blind and lame people like that would receive much blessing from Jesus he was a friend of sinners and so friend are you a sinner do you need a friend in the heavens I tell you Jesus is is just there he wants to bless you starting with the blessing of knowing forgiveness of your sins you could know that blessing in an instant you can know that blessing today, right now, and it's wonderful. Uh, and I'll end on this. Psalm 35, verse 27 would say this, the Lord delights in blessing his servant. The Lord delights in blessing his servant. Delights in blessing his servant. Why don't you believe that? Why do you struggle with that? What's happened? Friend, line up with the truth. He delights in blessing his servant. He would be so intent on blessing you, Jesus, that he would even himself be willing to be cursed. That's what the cross was. Jesus was getting cursed. The Bible would say this, Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus was hung on a tree in his crucifixion. He would take the curse from us. There would be an exchange that would happen so that what you and I deserved in, in, in our sin, where we've grabbed for blessing, where we have not regarded or considered God, Jesus would take the punishment for that on the cross. And in exchange, we would get the, 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 the blessing from his perfect life, his sinless life. We would receive the blessing of God. We might be fruitful and multiply. Jesus, therefore, when he's cursing the fig tree in our passage, it would be a preview. Be a preview of his destiny. Because Jesus was saying, John 15, I am the true vine. Jesus is the true Israel. He's, he's the one that ultimately replays the story and we're in his story. I am the true vine and he therefore would be the true vine that would be cursed so that people like you and I through faith might be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen.